Welcome into Real Pod Wednesdays. Dan Hope joined by Griffin Strom as we are now just 10 days away from the start of Ohio State football playing Notre Dame of season opener. Griffin, it feels like we've been counting down to it for so long. It's nice that we're finally on the precipice of single digits. Yeah, I will still have another episode before the game, so we'll get to give you guys another uh, day countdown there as, as the game approaches. But, you know, Dan, depending on what we get into here in this episode, this this first game for Ohio State, you know, it figures to be potentially one of the most challenging of the season. Yeah, no doubt about that. And I think next week's show will be very much focused on that Notre Dame matchup specifically and and previewing that first game of a year with it being a, a top five game in the shoe. So much anticipation for that. We'll we'll really kind of get into, you know, breaking down all of that matchup and what we expect from that matchup specifically on next week's episode. But for this week's episode, I want to start by looking ahead to the season as a whole, because I think this is a really interesting schedule for Ohio State this year. And, you know, I've kind of seen two schools of thoughts on it. You know, I've seen some people say, I think the schedule sets up pretty favorably for Ohio State. And I think you can say that on the basis of the fact that Ohio State is currently projected as a double digit favorite in every game this year. And so there isn't any one game on paper that you're going to look at and go, man, Ohio State is in trouble in this game. Every game, if you look at it on an individual basis, there's good reason to believe Ohio State should win that game. But when I look at the schedule, to me, there's seven games I look at that I say these games could be dangerous for Ohio State. What are those games? Well, I've been working on a staff poll this week, kind of a fun exercise of where each member of the 11 Warriors staff is ranking the games from the game they're most confident Ohio State's going to win to the game they're least confident Ohio State is going to win. Think of it this way. The, The game that's number one is the game that you you would you would bet your life savings on Ohio State winning. That's the game that you would feel the most confident betting a lot of money on Ohio State winning that game straight up. The, the game at the bottom, you might think Ohio State's going to win that game, but it's the game that you would feel least comfortable betting actual money on Ohio State winning that game. And so I have my rankings. I haven't seen Griffin's rankings yet. We're going to kind of go through them here back and forth and kind of break down why we have different teams where we do and which games that we ultimately believe are going to be the most challenging. Although I haven't seen Griffin's rankings, I am going to guess that we probably have the same team at number one, because for me, it was a pretty easy choice to put Arkansas state as the game that I'm most confident Ohio State's going to win. This is a group of five team that went two and 10 last season. And so it would be shocking to say the least if Arkansas State was even competitive with Ohio State in that game. And so that one, yeah, I would I would I would put every dollar in my savings account on Ohio State beating Arkansas State straight up. Would you Griffin? Absolutely, Dan. You know, now, now that you say that, I'm thinking, you know, the sports betting and everything like that. Uh, maybe I should put some, put my entire life savings down on that result. <laughs> but yes, I'm looking at the 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 records from last year and everything like that. And when I was preparing for this kind of exercise, you know, I think we probably both, Dan, have uh, Arkansas State and Toledo in those first two slots there. But looking at you know Arkansas State going two and ten last year, playing in the Sun Belt and everything like that, I definitely have Arkansas State as my number one most confident. Ohio State is definitely going to win that game. Of course, you know, a a, a different, more fair bet, let's say, would be, you know, how many points Ohio State is going to beat Arkansas State by what the margin of victory is going to be and not just that Ohio State is going to get the win. You have a return on investment on actually betting your life savings on Ohio State beating Arkansas State straight up would not be very good because if there even is a money line on that game, it's going to be an absurd number like 30 to one or something where you, you, it would not be worth for risk to actually bet on Ohio state beating Arkansas state to win straight up. And the Toledo game will probably be similar. I do in fact have Toledo number two on my rankings, but I think there is a gap 
between number one and number two here because Toledo is at least you know they're they're a team that should be competitive in the MAC. They're they're a team that is a legitimate contender to win the MAC this year. And so I, I think there's a gap between those two teams. At the same time, it, it's still a Group of Five opponent. It's still a MAC opponent. It, it's still a team that has very few players who would would play at Ohio State. And so. That that neither of those games, they're back to back games. Neither of them should be close, but I could see Toledo being competitive at moments in that game. Whereas I think with Arkansas State, unless Ohio State's completely asleep at the wheel, you know, that one really should be a, a lopsided game from start to finish. Yeah, the, the next one here, you know, unless you have a, a shocking development next on the list, I think we're going to start getting into some Big Ten opponents next on this schedule in terms of our confidence rankings here. And for me, Dan, you know, despite Greg Schiano potentially having building something here at Rutgers, the, the, the history of the matchup between the Buckeyes and Scarlet Knights leaves me with very little confidence that Rutgers can pull off a win against Ohio state. I just, you know, last year was the year we talked about, could this actually be a competitive game between the Buckeyes and Rutgers, of course, with with Rutgers having some close games against some very good teams, it did not unfold that way, Dan. And, and I do not see it unfolding that way this year. I, I would think Ohio State blows the doors off of Rutgers again. And, you know, even if Rutgers has a decent season, looking at things from the preseason perspective right now, I'm, I have to put Rutgers as, as third on my list here. Yeah, I was listening to 97-1 The Fan on Monday night. They actually had Greg Schiano on their Ohio State season kickoff show. And Schiano was talking a lot about how young we are this year. We don't have a lot of returning starters. There's a lot of unknowns of our team. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, Rutgers ain't going to be any good this year. So I do, in fact, have Rutgers number three. I mean, until Rutgers actually plays a competitive game with Ohio State, it's going to be hard to ever do this exercise and not have Rutgers as the Big Ten team who I least expect to give Ohio State a competitive game because we just haven't seen it happen yet. Like you said, there was kind of a feeling going into last year's game that maybe that would finally be the year and it wasn't at all. And so I, I don't I I don't see that game being competitive at all this year. All right, Dan, I think, you know, th there's some potential for dissension here with the next one, I think, between the two of us. I am going to go with a team that heading into last year, I think both of us were, were kind of high on this program in terms of what it had done in 2020. Obviously, everyone will remember the barn burning affair between Ohio State and Indiana back in 2020 at Ohio Stadium during that strange COVID season. Obviously, it came down to the final possession. I don't think that this game will come down to the final possession this year. I think Ohio State is going to roll Indiana. Obviously a very bad season last year for Tom Allen and company. No Michael Penix this year, a guy who, you know, at, at least showed some, some serious capabilities of being a guy that could burn the Ohio State defense from a couple of seasons ago. No longer in the program there. I have Indiana coming in at number four. If we had done this exercise last year, Indiana would have been in my bottom three in terms of games I was least confident Ohio State would win. I mean, there's a chance I would have put a, a Indiana as the number one team that I thought had, had a chance to upset Ohio State last year. I, I was buying the Tom Allen train going into last year. I was buying that Indiana had really turned this corner. And then they just totally had a letdown year and reverted back to being one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. So no dissension yet. I, I also have Indiana at, at number four. I, I don't see that game being competitive this year. I think the momentum that Indiana had willing to last year to me, it feels like it's all faded away. And I think Indiana is going to go back to, to being one of the worst teams in the Big Ten this year. Next on my list is a team that's given Ohio State some competitive affairs in recent years and had some surprising success, has reached you know the Big Ten championship game a couple times. But Pat Fitzgerald and company at Northwestern, not a banner year last season, going one and eight in the Big Ten. Pat Fitzgerald was even you know, kind of cracking, cracking on that fact during the Big Ten media days. I have the Wildcats next on my list here, Dan, as the, what is it? One, two, three, four, the fifth game. I'm most confident in Ohio State winning. And I think after this one is when we start getting into to more threatening territory for Ohio State. Yep, I, I completely agree with that. I also have Northwestern fifth. And, you know, I, based on 
all the responses I've received from other staffers so far, that's definitely the consensus among the staff is that there's a there's a big gap between those top five games and everyone else. And so, you know, I, I'm totally there with you of Northwestern. I mean, you know, there's a part of it that goes, you know, even years, you look at 2018, 2020, Northwestern won the Big Ten West in both those years. So, you know, maybe they can have a, a resurgence this year after a down year in 2021. But there's a huge talent gap between what Ohio State has, what Northwestern has. You know, Northwestern's got some pretty significant questions on both sides of the ball. You know, quarterback play on offense. You know, they lost Brandon Joseph on defense, so they don't have a lot of proven players over on that side of a ball. And so I'd be pretty shocked if if Northwestern gave Ohio State a real a real challenge. And so I'm right there with you. I have Northwestern at number five. Now is where I think it's going to get interesting because I've got a little bit of a curveball at number six, but I'm going to let you go first. All right, Dan, next for me is a team who whose offense has kind of threatened to give perhaps Ohio State a better game in recent years. Obviously, going back to 2018, we remember that uh, that overtime game between Ohio State and Maryland, who is his next on my list here. Talia Togobailoa coming back for the Terrapins. Last year, a seven and six season for Mike Loxley and company. Although, you know, he, he kind of almost said it at Big Ten Media Days, like, hey, we're we can't necessarily assume we're going to build on last year because there's different guys. But again, they have this this offense that can put up big points on certain teams, a, a high flying passing offense when it's really humming there. You know, talk about a, a 54 to 10 victory for Maryland in the pinstripe bowl to close out the 2021 season. They'd scored 40 points against Rutgers in the game before that. A lot of a lot of big numbers put up by that offense. Um, still not super threatened necessarily if I'm Ohio State. But I think that it starts to get, you know, like I said, uh, definitely a step up from the previous five teams in terms of my my confidence ratings here. The consensus among our staff is definitely that Maryland is number six on this list. And I think logical reason for that. I mean, Maryland, I believe, was the worst defensive team in the Big Ten last year. And so unless Maryland can take some significant steps forward on that side of a ball, they're probably going to have a hard time stopping Ohio State's offense but I do think that offense is dangerous and and I think I I I think back to that 2018 game and that was the game right before they played Michigan they played on the road and it's in the exact same spot on the schedule this year and so I think there's a little bit of trap game potential there in terms of this I think Maryland will have the second best passing offense in the Big Ten this year. And I think there's that potential of if Ohio State's looking a week ahead, maybe they get caught sleeping a little bit in this one and and Maryland gives them more of a threat than it really should be. So I don't have Michigan. I said I don't have Maryland yet, but I do have Michigan right now. I've got Michigan as my number six team on my list. And to be clear, that's not that I think there's six better teams on their schedule than Michigan. I think Michigan might be the best team Ohio State will play in a regular season. But I just can't see Ohio State losing that game two years in a row, playing in the shoe. I think last year's game was such a wake-up call for Ohio State. I think they're so invested on winning that game this year that I will be shocked if Ohio State doesn't go into that game and play its best football of the season and come out with a win. So even though I think Michigan is probably Ohio State's top competition to win the Big Ten East again, in terms of I think Michigan being the second best team in the Big Ten East, I'm putting Ohio, I'm putting Michigan ahead of six other teams as the sixth most confident game that I I'm sure Ohio State will win this year. And I, a lot of the same reasons you said right there is why I don't have Michigan as the most threatening game for Ohio State this season. Although I think, you know, some some fans, if you're feeling any trepidation about that matchup because of what happened last year, I could see fans, you know, having Michigan as the most threatening game, the one that perhaps matters the most to fans as well. I don't have them quite as you know high on that on the confidence list as you. And we'll get to see where, where I have Michigan ranked there in, in a few picks here. But next on my list, Dan, is going to be the Iowa Hawkeyes coming off of a very impressive season last year. 
going as high as, as number two in the country in the first half of the season, you know, with, with some very big wins there, win over Penn State early in the year. Then they fell off a little bit with losses to Purdue and Wisconsin, came back and rattled off, what, four straight wins after that. End of the season, though, kind of a very sour note, I would say, for the Hawkeye program, really getting blown out by Michigan as the Wolverines punched their ticket to the college football playoff. But still, I think that's a that's a tough a tough game for Ohio State, you know, a potentially a bit of a gritty game there for the Buckeyes in terms of style of play. We we all remember the 2017 upset game or the yeah, 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 the 2017 upset by Iowa over Ohio State. It's been a long time since that matchup. And so, you know, you don't know how that that would feed into anything in, in, on either side. But, you know, Ohio State, Iowa, that's that's still a, a formidable opponent for the Buckeyes. And I have them coming in there at number seven. I've got Notre Dame seventh, and it's for largely the same reasons why I have Michigan six is there's no trap game potential here. This is a game that Ohio State is going to come in. There's no reason for Ohio State not to be firing on all cylinders. You know, we know the motivation level is going to be extremely high to want to start the season with a win at home in prime time playing against you know, Marcus Freeman in his first game as a true head coach after he talked some smack this offseason. Again, Notre Dame might be one of the two best teams Ohio State plays all year. But I, I, I put Notre Dame here because I'm confident Ohio State is going to come in. It's going to play. It's, it's best football, and I don't expect anything less than Ohio State, you know, being at, at, at its best of the season. You've also got Notre Dame coming in with a, a quarterback making his first ever start and a quarterback making his first ever start against a defense that we don't know exactly what it's going to look like with over 100,000 fans in the shoe in a night game environment. That's a pretty intimidating situation for a first time starter to walk into. So that's why I have Notre Dame seventh on my rankings. Dan, I'll have to throw some counterpoints at you when we need to talk about that Notre Dame matchup in terms of where I have it placed on my list. But again, that's that's coming a little ways away, a little further down on my confidence meter there for the Buckeyes, although I do understand much of what you're saying. I, I respect the avant-garde approach you're taking here with, with where you're placing some of these matchups. But you know, next on my list is going to be Penn State, although it is in Happy Valley this year, you know, it's not going to be that that night whiteout environment in that matchup you know i just penn state ohio state for a few years there of course as we all know that that was a a hotly contested rivalry a lot of questions about you know is this a new true rival for ohio state because of how those games were were unfolding there with you know many of them being determined by by single digit margins but i just think ohio state just just has a role over over penn state right now and just I don't know. Even even on on bad days, for like I think Ohio State, the way they played against Penn State last year was was not, by far not their best performance or, or best foot forward in that game, and they still found a way, you know, to to beat Penn State somewhat comfortably, I would say. And yeah, I just I have I have a lot of confidence in Ohio State, kind of uh, keeping that role over Penn State, who's had some mediocre seasons to say the least in the past couple couple of years. Yeah, I've got Penn State nine. I honestly thought about putting them eight, but I said, okay, I okay, I can't put Maryland any lower than eight. Like I felt like putting Maryland any lower than that was maybe going a little too far with this idea of it being a major trap game. Since you know we do we do know that you know Maryland's probably gonna be one of the weaker teams in the conference on defense, and so I put Maryland eighth, and I I have Penn State ninth, and I I really I agree with a lot of what you said. I I feel like Penn State is almost been elevated a little bit too much in terms of a threat that they've presented Ohio state because it's really all about one win. I mean, we're we're talking about one win that they've had over Ohio state in in recent years in in 2016. Otherwise, Ohio state has won nine of the last 10 games against Penn state. And so I, I think the threat of Penn state has been elevated a little bit more, maybe than it, it should be. I mean, I'm it's not to say that they're not a threat. I mean, that's why I have them ninth on my list, but you know, behind some, you know, really good teams like Michigan and Notre Dame. But I think especially when you factor in the fact that this probably isn't going to be a night game, it's it's not going to be a whiteout. And 
Penn State hasn't been quite as strong the last couple of years as it had been for a few years before that. You know, it's it's certainly not a game that I look at as an easy win for Ohio State, but it's also not a game that I put on huge upset alert for the Buckeyes. Next on my list, I'm going to have Mel Tucker and the Michigan State Spartans coming in with the last four games on my list here. These are all teams that, you know, could potentially be top 15 teams this season, you know, higher than that, obviously, for for some of them coming into the season. Michigan State going from two and five in Mel Tucker's first season in 2020 to an 11-2 season last year, a very impressive run. Now, we thought that game between between, uh, Michigan State and Ohio State was going to be a lot closer last season and ended up being a huge Ohio State blowout victory, as I'm sure everyone will recall, probably Ohio State's best performance of the season in general. A fifty-six to seven win, you know, f- f- really firing on all cylinders on both both sides of the ball. Michigan State won't have Kenneth Walker, who was obviously instrumental in their success last year as a breakout star, superstar in college football in general. But I still like what Mel Tucker's building, you know, in East Lansing and the the stability that program could have moving forward. The fact that it, it just seems like a team that that kind of all around it could run the ball, pass the ball. It's not. It doesn't have you know this necessarily this one element that that sticks out in, in the way that other programs do necessarily i think it's a threatening game for ohio state finished ninth in the country last season what are they coming into this season like eighth or 15th i guess yeah that's that's a game that it definitely has some level of threat for ohio state although we'll get into our, our season record predictions and things of that nature later on in the episode i still would favor ohio state certainly to beat the spartans again yeah i've got iowa 10th um, you you mentioned Iowa already. You know, I think the last three games here were all pretty close for me. Like when I kind of look at like, OK, what's that trap game? What's that like, you know, weird midseason game where I think Ohio State could potentially trip up to me? Each of the last three could all definitely fall into that category. But I am going with Iowa 10th, you know, b- above Wisconsin and Michigan State because of basically the fact that I just don't have much confidence in Iowa's offense. I think Iowa should be one of, if not the best defensive team in the conference. I mean, they return, you know, two strong all American candidates and Jack Campbell and and Riley Moss, you know, they've, they've consistently been one of the better defensive teams in the big 10. And I think they will be again. And, you know, I think those are the kind of teams you look at as being dangerous to Ohio state, because if a team that can, you know, slow down Ohio state, you know, you know, take away some of those explosive plays and, you know, make, make it kind of a grinded out game. That's the kind of game that I think Ohio state is most likely to, to stumble in. And so I, I do have Iowa 10th. I mean, it's still a game, but it's like Ohio state playing Iowa at home. Ohio state will be coming off a bye week, but so will Iowa. And so you know, it, there's a little bit of an advantage there, but not really because Iowa is going to have the same thing. And so I don't view Iowa as the biggest threat, but I also still view that as a game where, OK, I, I think, you know, Ohio State needs to play well in this game. And if they don't, then I, I do think that an upset is a possibility. Number 10 for me is the old arch rival Michigan. You know, I, I couldn't put them any, you know, lower on the list. Because of many of the reasons you just said, I don't see Ohio State losing to Michigan for a second straight year. Obviously, Michigan loses some huge pieces, you know, really on both sides of the ball, but particularly on defense, obviously, with the likes of Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajaba. You know, obviously, that, that defensive line was a huge part of Michigan's success against Ohio State. The fact that that game was in Ann Arbor as well. And we all remember how much of a, a frigid day that was in Ann Arbor <laughs> as, as uh, us at 11 Warriors had to spend an extra night in Ann Arbor that day. But yeah, I think. You know, I still have to keep it, though, in my in my top three, just because does the victory last year for Michigan kind of imbue the the program with more confidence going into that matchup? I think that's definitely factors where you're going to have a starting quarterback in all likelihood who's won a game over Ohio State players that, you know, have tasted success against the Buckeyes for the first time. Does that give them some some extra swagger? Does Ohio State come into that game with, you know, some some extra anxiety uh, or anything of that nature, considering how the game went last year. There's still some questions, of course, about Ohio State's offensive line and short yardage run game. Could, could Michigan, you know, come into the game having cracked the code or, or, or on what they think is necessary to beat this Ohio State team, given that it's not, you know, a, a wholly different 
team, other than the fact that obviously the defensive scheme has changed. So yeah, for all those reasons, I have the Wolverines coming in at number 10 on my list. Dan. So we both have Wisconsin in our bottom two in terms of confidence. Ohio State will beat the Badgers. The only question is whether we have Wisconsin 11th or 12th. For me, I have Wisconsin 11. I, I do think that, you know, Wisconsin is is a dangerous opponent. I, you know, again, it's similar to Iowa in that they're, they're a team that I think will be really good defensively. And I think their style of play can make things challenging on Ohio State. The reason why I have Michigan State 12, a lot of that is based on the fact that Michigan State is a road game. And an unusual road game in the sense that Ohio state is going to be playing its sixth game of a season yet going on the road for the first time, which that's just weird. Like that, that's something I look at and I go, that increases the possibility of a weird game here because at a time in the season where you'd think you'd already have at least one road game on your belt, Ohio state is not going to have been tested in that regard. And I think, you know, Michigan State, I think Mel Tucker has done a really good job of of turning that program around very quickly and getting them back to contending status. You know, I think they're a team that is, you know, has some, you know, really good receivers. I think they're, they're going to be, you know, a dangerous team offensively in terms of, again, if Ohio State goes in there and it doesn't play its best in its first game on the road, I, I think that's a game that, 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 that potentially becomes dangerous for Ohio State. Now, you know, obviously the question with Michigan State is, you know, defensively, I mean, last year they gave up more passing yards than any other team in the country. And so they're going to have to be better in that regard if they're going to actually have a chance of upsetting Ohio State, considering the passing offense we expect Ohio State to have. But I think if they can be, I to me, that's the game I look at and go, that might be the most dangerous game for Ohio State. That That's the one where I feel like if an upset's going to happen, it might happen in East Lansing. You make a lot of sense there, Dan, for sure. I have Wisconsin coming in at number 11 myself. And honestly, I think you know a, a lot of what you say makes sense in terms of the, the, the placement on the schedule in terms of when, when these games are happening and how that impacts the, the level of danger for Ohio State. The thing with Wisconsin and, and kind of a reason I have these final two teams, of course, Notre Dame, I have is number 12, Dan. I have different different line of thinking there on this one. And that is because in large part, listen, we've, we will talk about it more. Jim Knowles saying that, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, he only had 25% of the defense installed and a lot of talk about this defense. We, we've heard a lot of positive things about the Ohio State defense, right, in terms of it's looked very good against the Ohio State offense in practice and guys are, are picking things up very quickly. But, you know, you never know how much of that kind of is just the preseason, you know, sunshines and rainbows with everything. Could we see a start of the season for Ohio State where, OK, the guys still have some some things to figure out in terms of learning this complex Jim Knowles scheme? And so that's why the fact that Wisconsin and Notre Dame are both so early on the schedule in the, the month of September for Ohio State. And the style of play, I think, of both teams as well in terms of running the ball, you know, a tough, you know, big offensive lines, line play, things of that nature, things that could be potential weaknesses for this Ohio State team, given what we've heard Kevin Wilson say about the the short yardage run game for the Buckeyes. And, you know, Ohio State obviously last year struggling to stop the run. I do think the defense will look obviously a lot better for Ohio State this season. But those two teams with the style of play, and then just especially with the Notre Dame game being the season opener, as you said, maybe that's that's great for Ohio State because they're they've had all offseason to prepare. You know, guys are healthy coming into Ryan Day just told us the other day that he expects the team to be at full strength. But on the other hand, we still have to see what the Jim Knowles defense looks like out there. And if there's any game where I think, you know, that the team's going to be least sure of itself on defense, it could very well be that first game which comes against, you know, a, a very high profile opponent. And that's why I have Notre Dame as potentially the toughest test of the season coming in the very first game. All right. So now that we've talked about all 12 of those games and how confident we are that Ohio State will win each of them, but the question begs, will Ohio State actually win all those games? What do you think, Griffin? 
the last couple of seasons I've I've predicted an Ohio State loss in the regular season. This season I have Ohio State going 12 and 0 because I just think I do believe in the Jim Knowles defensive turnaround. Obviously, how could you not believe in the Ohio State offense with the, the pieces they have returning there? It feels like, you know, it's never is it really ever national championship or bust for Ohio State because you know, even even in a down year, like you know, last year you could have seen as potentially a rebuilding year with a lot of the questions coming in. And, you know, they still end up with only two losses and a Rose Bowl win on the cusp of getting into the CFP, if not for that loss to Michigan. So, you know, I've got I've got Ohio State going 12 and 0 this season because I think some of the questions from last year are going to be shored up, particularly on defense. And despite the fact that, you know, we talk about there being, you know, seven games of of some level of danger for Ohio State. But I, I, I think, you know, I think Ohio State takes all of those games. I'm going to go 11 and one and, you know, longtime listeners of this podcast may not be surprised by that because I feel like I pick 11 and one almost every year because I just think, I think it's hard to go undefeated in college football. And I think that with the fact that I do think there are seven games on the schedule that are not locks for Ohio state to win, in my opinion, to me, the odds are in favor of Ohio state losing one of those seven games. You know, based on what I said, then that would then then I'd have to say that that means I'm predicting a loss at Michigan State. Now that doesn't necessarily mean I really am confident Michigan State's going to beat Ohio State. When I mean, when we do our predictions for that game, you know, depending on how the next month goes, there's a good chance I'll pick Ohio State to win that game. But if I just have to look at the season as a whole right now, I'm going to predict that Ohio State will lose one game because even though Ohio State should be favored to win every game on paper. It's it's so much easier said than done to go undefeated. And so I'm going to go with 11 and one. Now, I do believe Ohio State will win the Big Ten. I do believe Ohio State will make the college ball playoff. I do believe Ohio State will make it to the national championship game. But as Garrick Hodge compiled over the weekend, predictions from everyone on staff of who would win the national championship? I went with Alabama. I, I think, you know, again, trying to predict what's going to happen in January is, is almost a fool's errand. I think Ohio State is more than capable of winning the national championship this year, especially if the defense has the turnaround that we think it's capable of. Like you said, I think Ohio State could easily have the best offense in the country. I look at an Ohio State-Alabama matchup as likely the best offense in the country versus the best defense in the country. And the reason I objectively have to side toward Alabama right now is because Alabama also has the returning Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback. Alabama has a lot of talent around him, you know, talented transfers they've brought in like Jameer Gibbs and Jermaine Burton. That just gives me a little more confidence that Alabama is going to be elite on both sides of the ball than I have in Ohio State before I've actually seen this Jim Knowles defense in action. And so I I certainly am not here to say that I don't think Ohio State can win the national championship this year. I think they're more than capable of it. But if I just have to pick who I think is most likely to win the national championship this year, I'm going to go with Alabama. However, the vast majority of the staff including you disagreed with me. And based on your prediction, that means Griffin, that you must be predicting that Ohio state's going to go 15 and over this year. You know, I, I, when you talk about most likely, you know, I do, am I sitting here? Am I saying Ohio state is the most likely national championship winner at this very moment? No, I do not necessarily believe that, but I do believe that Ohio state is going to win the national championship. It just feels like the year. I, I, I truly believe that. I'm riding that that wave in, in a couple of, of different uh, metrics here. And, you know, I, I just think that it'd be awfully sweet to see a, a CJ Stroud versus Bryce Young, uh, a gunslinging matchup in that national championship game. You know, two, two California guys, longtime friends, you know, on kind of the same trajectory here. And I also believe that that by the time that game happens, it'll be a matchup of the last two Heisman Trophy winners as well, Dan, because I'm also predicting that CJ Stroud wins the Heisman Trophy. One of the main reasons being that, you know, I, I just think the, the the Heisman Trophy voters are are kind of 
hesitant to to name a, another two-time Heisman Trophy winner. And, you know, I don't know how, how much that should be playing in anyone's mind in terms of the voters, but it, that we've seen it play out, you know, time and time again with some of the guys that have won it with a chance to win it again the following season. And, you know, I just think with the way that Ohio State's being talked about right now, being the, the number two, you know, preseason team in the country, given C.J. Stroud coming back with experience, all of the weapons at his disposal, he's going to have the numbers you would have to imagine to be right in that mix. And, you know, I just, I, and, and another thing, another point to my case there for Stroud is that, you know, Ohio State's just is a perennial top five team, right? Top three team, even let's say program in college football. And for them to to have the individual performers and the Heisman Trophy finalists that they've had year after year, and for a Buckeye to not have won one in so long with it being, you know, going back to 2007 with, with Troy Smith, you know, it, I feel like it's a long time coming for a, one of these years a Buckeye's got to win it, right? Especially with the fact that Ohio State keeps, you know, producing these first round draft pick quarterbacks. We know it's it's largely a quarterback driven award. You know, Ryan Day's offense has now become so pass friendly, which which may have been something kind of holding holding guys back from winning it in years past at Ohio. I just I think it's CJ Stroud's year. And I think in that national championship game, we're going to see Stroud versus Young, the, the two top quarterbacks taken potentially in next year's NFL draft. It all makes too much sense then. But 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 maybe that's why it won't end up happening. <laughs> but I think you know, in terms of a script, it, it makes a lot of sense. It does make a lot of sense, and that's why C.J. Stroud, I believe, is the betting favorite to win the Heisman right now. Even though Bryce Young is the defending winner of the trophy, I believe C.J. Stroud will be right in the thick of the Heisman race all year long. I actually think Ohio State is going to have two players invited to the Heisman Trophy ceremony because. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to have a Devontae Smith-like season, and I wouldn't be surprised if he wins the Heisman. But I'm going to go. For, I'm going to go for another curveball here on my Heisman pick. I know it's exceedingly rare for a defensive player to win the Heisman Trophy, but Will Anderson from Alabama probably should have won the Heisman Trophy last year. If you look at his numbers: thirty-three and a half tackles for loss, seventeen and a half sacks. Now, he didn't even get an invite to New York, so there's good reason to be skeptical of my pick. But the one thing that a defensive player really needs to have a chance to win the Heisman is they need a national media campaign. They they need to get a lot of attention for what they're doing. And I'm not sure that really happened for Will Anderson until the end of last season. I think this year, the spotlight is going to be on him in a way that if he can replicate the kind of numbers that he had last year, I think he has a real chance to win the Heisman. And so I know I know it's maybe a long shot just based on history, but I'm just going to be bold and I'm going to say I think Will Anderson wins the Heisman this year. I do I do like that prediction Dan, although you seem to be going a little crimson tide crazy here um, as we make <laughs> these predictions, but you know that you have a good reason to obviously with the the role that Alabama has been on for, you know, seemingly forever here. But Dan, let's get into some season superlatives here. For the Buckeyes, make some some more predictions here as we look ahead to the season that is coming up. You know, in just ten days, you just said you know you expect there to be two Buckeyes invited to the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Man, I could I could easily see that, but at the same time, I, I do also kind of think, you know, is the ball going to be spread around more than than we more than we're thinking? Obviously, Ohio State lost two first round wide receivers, you know, in, in this past year's draft. And so people are obviously looking at JSN like, man, he could have just an absolutely unbelievable season. But I think we're going to see that that some other guys having some other monster seasons with 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 defenses, you know, really, you know, preparing for Jackson Smith and Jigba, that he's going to end up not not making it to that Heisman Trophy ceremony. I think CJ Stroud in the end is going to be your lone Ohio State player at the ceremony. Dan, how many All-Americans do you predict Ohio State having by the end of next season? Just the other day, Ohio State had had five players in total, you know, represented on the the, the AP All-American teams. Yeah, I'm going to say that they'll, I definitely think they'll have two with CJ Stroud and, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. It's tempting to say they're going to have three with, with Travion Henderson, but I, I just, I feel like the nature of this offense is more inclined for, Stroud and Smith and Jigwa to put up the huge all-American kind of numbers than it is for Travion Henderson to put up those kind of numbers. So right now I'm kind of leaning toward 
just two, but you know, I'm going to say three because I'm going to say one of those offensive linemen gets in there. I don't know if it'll be Paris Johnson or Dewan Jones, but between, you know, all the different all American teams, I think at least one of those guys is going to have the kind of year that puts them on an all American team. Dan, are you talking strictly first team honors? Or are we talking first team? I'm talking first team all Americans because okay, I had I had like I had five down there. Although I I don't necessarily buy in terms of making all. all I know Paris and Dewan, I believe both got on the uh, you know one of those three teams in the, in the preseason list. If we're just we're just talking first team, I, I agree with Dan Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba have to be you know people that you think are going to make that list. If we're extending things out to the second and third team, things of that nature, you know, hey, maybe the the Ohio State defense ends up yielding some some players that make that list as well. I think a, a guy like Ronnie Hickman could certainly get some some traction in that regard. Hey, Denzel Burke, could he have you know equal what he did last season and start to get some real national exposure there at the cornerback position as well? A couple of guys, you know, that I'm holding out to see maybe those guys do sneak their way up the ranks as the Ohio State defense makes a, a projected turnaround here. I do have both Burke and Hickman on my preseason all big 10 team other Buckeyes that I have on that list of course CJ Stroud Texas of Ajigba Travion Henderson Paris Johnson and then you know a few more kind of breakout guys that I have on that list are Donovan Jackson at guard JT Tuamolowau on the defensive line and Steel Chambers at linebacker I'm going with Steel Chambers to break out and have an all big 10 year so that puts me at nine preseason or not preseason postseason first team all big 10 players for ohio state is there anybody that you disagree with that's on my team or anybody that you think i'm snubbing there the only thing i'll say is you know a lot of times with the the first team all big 10 some of the picks seem like they've they've been established before the season even starts right if you think about it like a thayer munford last year going into the season and and things of that nature so you know I, i think Stroud, Henderson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. Duan, I put Duan Jones or Paris Johnson on there. I think, you know, one of those guys, certainly, maybe not both of them. I have Hickman and, and Denzel Burke as well. And yeah, I'm same as you with, with JT, Tui, uh, Tui Moloau. One of these days, I'll be able to say that name without messing it up. I swear when I'm not on camera, I'm able to do so, but for some reason. But anyway, yeah, I think for sure he's on that watch list as well, although we have yet to, to kind of see that. But but again, with the first team, all Big Ten, sometimes it's those established names going into the season. So that may influence things as well. I await the comments of why we didn't call him Jalen Tuomolowau instead of JT Tuomolowau, which he is okay with being called JT, just doesn't want to be called JTT. <laughs> you mentioned spreading the ball around at receiver. Who do you think will be the second most productive receiver? And who do you think will be the third most productive receiver this year? Yeah, I mean, I think these are going to sound a little bit obvious here, but I think Marvin Harrison Jr., number two, and I'm I'm going to say Emeka Ibuka, number three. And we, we've talked about the fact that that Julian Fleming is definitely in that mix, maybe more than some thought, you know, earlier in the offseason because he has, he, he was an Iron Buckeye. He's had a great offseason, as Ryan Day has talked about. But I don't know, he has been a little injury prone recently, and we, we, we kind of heard you know, Ryan Day talking about uh, just the other day about his his shoulder popping out in a scrimmage and, and coming back to catch a couple of touchdowns, but which makes which brought to my head like a guy with repeated shoulder problems and shoulder surgeries. Why is he even still playing in a scrimmage if his shoulder pops? So, so I don't know. I think perhaps some some injury issues could end up limiting Julian Fleming's overall production, and we see Harrison and Abuka being the second and third most productive wideouts for Ohio State this season. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think Harrison pretty clearly ends up being the number two guy behind Smith and Jigba. I think it could be closer between Abuka and Fleming, but I, I do lean toward Abuka, even if the momentum that I think Fleming has. I agree with you. I think, you know, the, the question of whether he can stay healthy and on the field for a full season is a big reason why I lean toward Abuka. Let's flip it to the other side of a ball. Who do you think will be Ohio State's defensive MVP this year? Now, we've talked a lot about Hickman, Burke, JT in that mix as well. How about Tommy Eichenberg, Dan? I mean, we've heard all about him. The campaign, the offseason Tommy Eichenberg campaign just keeps on rolling. I think perhaps, you know, certainly if it's a a team, you know, voted on award or something like that, that that we could see a Tommy Eichenberg who is a captain for this, this Buckeye team and a guy that Jim Knowles has raved about. 
he might just be the defensive MVP, Dan. What about you? Wow, that was a curveball. I didn't see that one coming. But I, I do think I do think Tommy could be in line for a big year. The way that Jim Knowles and everyone is talking about him, I do think that you know we could see Tommy make a lot of tackles this year. But I'm not going to go as far as, as defensive MVP. I'm going to go for Ronnie Hickman on that one because I just think the, I think the things they're going to ask him to do with this defense, you know, I, I kind of look at him as, you know, we, we've heard the comparisons to 2019. I look at Ronnie Hickman as the Jordan Fuller of this defense. That's what they need him to be. If they're going to be this elite defense, they need him to be that guy that they can consistently rely on on the back end of the defense to not just make plays, but to also prevent those big plays from happening. And so I think Ronnie Hickman is going to be a, a really important player on the back end of that defense. And I think we're going to see him make his share of big plays as well. Okay. Now we're going to predict Ohio state's tackles, sacks and interceptions leaders for this season. Dan, I'm going to go tackles, Tommy Eichenberg. I'm going to go sacks, either JT or Tyleek Williams, who we saw last year, you know, had a, a ton of sacks with very little snaps played. He should get a lot more of those this season. You know, who knows with the the change in, in Jim Knowles kind of scheme, how that impacts, you know, which players are kind of more prone to, to picking up some of those sack numbers. But I think those guys are definitely two to circle there. And interceptions, I'm going to go with Ronnie Hickman playing that free safety position. You know, he, he wasn't necessarily in the, the position as much last year playing that kind of bullet role, although it kind of changed as well. But I'm going to go with Ronnie Hickman in that category as well, Dan. What about what say you? Yeah, I'm going to go Steel Chambers as the leading tackler. I think playing that will position, I think a lot of plays are going to be filtered to him in that role. And so I'm expecting a 100 plus tackle season from Steel Chambers at linebacker. I'm going to go fast. I'm going to say JT leads the team in tackles for a loss, but I'm going to say Jack Sawyer leads the team in sacks. I think maybe Jack Sawyer ends up being the most impactful pure pass rusher, but that JT maybe makes more of an impact at also stopping plays in, in the run game around the line of scrimmage. And then interceptions, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go for Ronnie Hickman. I think just the, the role that he plays, and we've already seen him show that ball hawking ability last season. So I do think Ronnie Hickman leads the teams in picks. A two-parter here, Dan. Will Ohio State have the number one offense in the country? And will Ohio State have a top five defense, which is what the expectation is for Jim Knowles, as recently stated in some of the press conferences here? I'm going to say that Ohio State does have the top offense, although it's like, you know, if, if it's the top one or top three offense, does that really, you know, make much of a difference there? But I think Ohio State will definitely have a top three. Hell, why not? It's the top, top offense in the country. I'll say that. As far as top five defense, I'm going to say not top five. I'm going to say perhaps, though, top 15, which will still be a huge jump for that unit. Yeah, I'm with you on, on yes and no there. I'm going to say yes. Ohio State had the number one offense in the country last year. They bring back C.J. Stroud. They bring back Travion Henderson. They bring back Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think the offensive line could be better. I think they've got plenty of potential breakout candidates at receiver. So even without Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, I'm going to say Ohio State does have the number one offense in the country. Once again, I can't quite go there on, on the top five defense, Phil. I, I think there's a real belief within the Woody Hayes Athletic Center that that's the kind of defense they're going to have. Because if they didn't really believe that, why would they keep saying it over and over again and setting this incredibly high expectation? But I just can't go there after they were 59th the last two years. It's, it's, it's a big jump, and you, you just got to figure, too, having an explosive strike offense like Ohio state has, that's going to put the defense on the field more. It's just going to make it that much harder for in terms of statistics for Ohio state to ultimately finish up that top five defense. So I, I will say I'm going to be more conservative. I'm going to say, I think they finish up a top 25 defense top 15, I think is, is well within the realm of possibility, but I am going to sell on the top five defense. And we, we talk about the expectations set there by Jim Knowles himself for the defense and we got him talking more about that uh, this week when when Knowles and Ryan Day both had a joint press conference at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center to start the week. You know, some of the more interesting comments from from that, you know, hour long press conference there was, you know, Jim Knowles saying he he doesn't have many concerns about the Ohio State defense. Also saying that we we alluded to the, the fact that just a couple of weeks ago, he said only 25 percent of his defensive scheme had been installed at Ohio State. Definitely something that raised some eyebrows for sure. Asked again about 
what that percentage is now. He said 75% of the Ohio State defense has now been installed. And Dan, you know, how does one install 50% of a defense in, in just 13 days? What say you? Yeah, I, I I have no idea how that happens. I think maybe those those numbers maybe shouldn't be taken too literally because that does seem like a, a lot. But, you know, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago when I heard that 25% number, it kind of raised my eyebrows. Like, really? Like, they have that much more work to do? And so certainly hearing 75% is more reassuring. And I think, you know, I think, you know, people love round numbers, but I think the reality, I think what Jim Knowles is really trying to say is, there's still 25% more of it we could do. We don't necessarily need to do that. I think that's really what he's trying to say is the 75% that's been installed now, there's probably a few more wrinkles they haven't installed yet that they're still going to introduce over the course of a season. But for the most part, that 75% that they have now, that's what they need. The other 25% is kind of more, this is stuff we could do, you know, if, if you know, break glass in case of emergency. If we need this stuff, We'll introduce it right now. We have what we need. And so I think, you know, that that number, you know, it, it, when he's saying 75 percent, he's not saying we need to do 25 percent more in the next week. It, at this point, they actually need to start kind of paring that down and refining their game plan for Notre Dame. But I think really what it tells you is he's got a lot of tricks there in the playbook. There's a lot of different things that he he wants to do. And, you know, you just get that impression just hearing the way he's he talked and Ryan Day talked about, you know, some of the different personnel groupings they have and guys having the opportunities to have roles that, you know, this defense is going to look very different than, you know, the largely predictable defense that we saw the last couple of years. This defense is going to have a different feel to it. And I, I think the idea is to, to give them as many tools as possible so that they can kind of pick and choose each week based on game plan to do different things. And I think this is a defense that could potentially look, you know, there could be more significant differences in how this defense looks from one week to the next. A promising sign for the Buckeye defense is that Jim Knowles and Ryan Day both said that, you know, a lot of those cornerbacks that just a couple of weeks ago, we were hearing about having some injury issues, guys like Jordan Hancock, Cam Brown, you know, Ryan Turner, guys like that all getting back and getting healthy for Ohio State now. You know, also Jim Knowles talking about the fact that that J.K. Johnson and Jair Brown are, are guys that, that stepped up and actually looked good in the absence of some of those other guys. But it sounds like Jim Knowles and company are, are happy to have some of those top corners back. And then, Dan, you know, an, another promising defender for the Buckeyes, Chip Tranum, obviously coming, out, coming over from Arizona State at linebacker. A lot of people thought when Evan Turner suffered that season-ending injury at running back, could Ohio State try Tranum out? at running back, given that that's the position he played at Arizona state the last two seasons. I think we, we, we kind of thought, Hey, you know, he's, he's, it sounds like he's done so well at linebacker that why even, you know, kind of mess with his flow there in terms of learning the position. But we heard from Ryan day that, that Tranum actually did play running back in like a full practice one day and actually looked very natural at the position. Dan, do you think we'll actually see him play at the position though? Because we also heard from Ryan day that true freshman Dallin Hayden has kind of asserted himself as the third option at running back behind, obviously, Henderson and Mayan Williams. Yeah, I'll cop to being wrong on that one, because I did say on last week's podcast that I would be surprised if Chip Traynham got reps at running back. So I, I was wrong about that. I thought I thought that they might look to move, you know, another offensive player into the backfield to get him some reps. They actually did decide to go with giving Chip Traynham some reps. And, you know, it's kind of it was kind of interesting hearing Ryan Day talk about and they're talking about how talented he, he was as a running back, because they could have had him as a running back out of high school. They recruited him as a linebacker and he went somewhere else because he wanted to play running back. And now they brought him in as a linebacker. And now they're talking about how good he looks at, at running back. I thought that was kind of funny, but I don't think we're going to see chip train actually play on offense unless it's something they actually need him to do again, kind of break glass in case of emergency there. You know, if, if Travion Henderson or Mayan Williams gets hurt, then they might not have a choice but to move train them back to running back and have another you know scholarship player in there that has experience playing the position. And so I think 
I think it's certainly it's an it's an if needed situation. I think Dallin Hayden has done what he's needed to do to to put himself firmly in position to be that number three running back behind Travion Henderson and Maya Williams, and and he's going to be the next man up there. But I think it's I think it's more a matter now if they have another injury, which which would put them in a dicey situation. That's probably the time where we would see Chip Trainum move back to running back. It just makes me wonder what Chip Trainum's role is going to look like on defense because we know he's been taking a lot of second team reps. You know, I almost have the impression that he's going to be that top backup at linebacker. But if you're now cross training him at running back, does that limit how much you can rely on him on defense? And so that's going to be interesting to kind of see you know, what that looks like in terms of, you know, playing against Notre Dame, how much are we going to see Chip train them on the field at linebacker? Yeah, Dan, another newsworthy, you know, bit from that press conference was Cam Babb, obviously the, you know, oft injured wide receiver for the Buckeyes who's dealt with no shortage of injury issues over the last several seasons. He has suffered another setback, Ryan Day said, although it's not supposed to be a season ending one. So kind of some some bittersweet news there. We won't see Cam Bab, you know, theoretically early on in the season, but he is expected to make a return at some point. You know, kind of a bummer considering, you know, a lot of people were hoping to see him, you know, adduce, do some stuff out there, make some plays for the Buckeyes for really, you know, kind of the first time in his career. Yeah, it is. I mean, like I said, the good, the good news is it's not expected to be a season ending injury. The bad news is it is another setback. And, you know, you do just kind of have to wonder. It's like, how many setbacks can there be? You know what I mean? I mean, how, how many, how many times can he overcome another injury and, you know, actually get back out there and make this impact that people think he can make, you know, I think especially, you know, I was kind of thinking like, you know, man, like that Arkansas state game or that Toledo game, that could be the perfect time for Cam Babb to get some extended run and catch his first pass, maybe even catch his first touchdown. Now it sounds like he's probably not going to be able to play in those games. And so, you know, that that's the challenge, I think, is, you know, even let's say he is fully healthy by midseason. Well, now you've missed all this time and they have all this other talent at receiver. Is there really going to be a path for him to get back into the wide receiver rotation? But I certainly hope we get to see him play it, to some extent this year. I know that's what everybody in the program hopes. And, you know, I think, you know, Ryan Day said it, that, you know, they're, they're going to be extra cautious with Cam because he has had such a history of injuries that, you know, any little tweak, any little thing that might happen, you know, they're, they're going to pull him back because, you know, they, they know, you know, the propensity to injuries that he's had. And so hopefully, you know, we do get to see him play this year. It's just it's it's hard to know, you know, what to expect, if anything, at this point, knowing that he has had yet another setback. And Dan, we're actually recording this podcast before we talk to the Ohio State defensive backs on what is today, Dan? Tuesday, Tuesday, as we record this podcast. But we did hear from the Ohio State quarterbacks since we last had an episode of this wonderful podcast. Dan, did you have any major takeaways from listening to CJ Stroud, Devin Brown, Kyle McCord and Ohio State quarterbacks coach Corey Dennis last week? Not really, to be honest. I mean, you know, Corey Dennis isn't one to necessarily give away a lot of information when you ask him questions. And there's not really any drama at quarterback right now. I mean, CJ Stroud's the the starter. Nobody really wants to talk about the backup quarterback competition because I think the last thing they want is to say anything that would potentially make either of those two quarterbacks think about their options before next season. But I, I think all signs point toward Kyle McCord being the backup quarterback. Devin Brown's going to get some reps too, but I think, you know, certainly right now, if anything was to happen to Stroud where they needed a quarterback to play in a big game. Kyle McCord would be that guy that steps in. So I, I don't think there's a whole lot of drama there at that position right now. It's really just a matter of how good can CJ Stroud be this year. And people can say a, a lot about that, but really that's something that we're going to be talking about more once we actually see him on the field next weekend. Yeah, Dan, I think the most interesting thing I actually heard was was kind of not pertaining to, to anything necessarily on the field. It was actually CJ Stroud talking about his stance on whether or not players should be able to share in the revenue from the Big Ten's 
massive whopping new potential $8 billion TV deal and, and basically saying, you know, I, I'd want to think about it more before I came to kind of a final conclusion on all that. But he did end up saying, I definitely think that that the money should be shared with players. And he said coaches as well. And that was something that we heard, you know, Gene Smith asked about like right after CJ Stroud and he kind of had a, a different viewpoint. But Dan, I think that kind of takes us into this this other topic here that we, we might want to briefly touch on, which of course was that that landmark deal reached by the Big Ten, you know, with everything like that, an extremely lucrative record-breaking deal for the Big Ten in terms of its TV partners, you know, starting next season. Dan, can you tell us some more about that as we kind of wrap up here with with Gene Smith's comments and, and everything like that? Yeah, Big Ten TV deal officially announced last Thursday, worth more than $8 billion over the next seven years, with the potential for more if the Big Ten continues to expand, which certainly sounds like it's it's still a possibility. Confirming what you know we had already heard before, that the Big Ten will have games on Fox at noon, CBS at 3.30, NBC in primetime, FS1 and BTN will also have games, and there will also be some games that are exclusively streaming on Peacock, which I know that's a sore spot for some people of, oh, now I've got to sign up for another streaming service in addition to, you know, cable I'm already paying for. I, I got to watch that. I mean, for me personally, like I already have a Peacock subscription and I kind of look at it like the absurd amount of money that I already pay for cable, like what's, you know, another, you know, five or $10 a month or whatever for, for Peacock. But that's certainly something that's you know going to be an adjustment for people to get used to, but it's also just the reality of where things are headed. I mean, you look at NFL this year, Thursday night games are going to only be streaming on Amazon. You know, that's the future uh, of sports television. So it's not something that I think is necessarily like great for fans because, you know, I think you, you hear about this, you know, cutting the cord and they love to use the term direct to consumer and all that, but there's still... So much of it if it's on regular cable that now you ultimately end up having to have both of them if you want to watch all the games. And so I think that's something that probably is not a a pro for for fans in this situation. This is going to have bring a ton of national exposure for the Big Ten, which having three marquee time slots on national broadcast networks every single week. Yeah, and no more conference games on ESPN. Although, you know, Chris Holman was tweeting, you know, memes to express the fact that Ohio State will still have some non-conference games on ESPN. You know, that's whether how that will affect Ohio State's brand in, in, in you know, in terms of sports being on ESPN, things of that nature remains to be seen. I tend to think that, you know, it, it, it doesn't necessarily matter all that much. Dan, Gene Smith also telling us that, you know. He he would favor the Big Ten going divisionless, something that's been talked about for a long time now, and that it you know that that could be a conversation very soon, and something that we see very soon. We've talked before on this podcast about the fact that you know that would likely help Ohio State in terms of its appearances in the Big Ten championship game. Although I, I do also think that the 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 proposition of Ohio State Michigan being like a back to back thing when you take the divisions out would take some getting used to for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to happen. A divisionless Big Ten, I'd be really surprised if it doesn't. I think that's something that. Uh, the Big Ten wanted to finalize, you know, after it got its TV deal done, after it brings USC and UCLA into those conversations. But my expectation would be that at this time next year, it it will be a divisionless Big Ten. We don't know exactly what that's going to mean in terms of future scheduling because Gene Smith also indicated last week that they're no longer going to announce conference schedules more than a year in advance. And so there's going to be some more flexibility in the scheduling moving forward. Again, a lot of this could depend on whether the Big Ten continues to expand. And Kevin Warren indicated this past week that the Big Ten could expand to 20 teams. And so most likely expansion's not done, and that's going to continue to kind of shuffle what Big Ten schedules look like in the future. But certainly Ohio State versus Michigan is still going to be played that last week of a season. And that does lead to the possibility and and likelihood that it will happen at some point sooner than later that Ohio State and Michigan are going to play in back-to-back weeks. Gene Smith also indicating that there's renewed momentum toward the possibility of a college football playoff expansion before 2026 certainly seems like a possibility. Do you think that there's a way that this ends up actually happening? I think there is because I think Leaders across college athletics are looking at it now and going, look at all the money we're leaving on the table. If we had a 12-game 
college ball playoff and, and these eight extra games that would come with it in terms of TV inventory, you know, that could be maybe a half a billion dollars that they're leaving on the table by not expanding the playoffs sooner. And so I think it is possible. You know, I think Gene Smith and certainly everybody involved with the Big Ten with this new TV deal, they're very invested in the the college ball playoff when the current contract expires in 2026 of that being opened up to multiple bidders so that Fox and NBC and CBS can all put in their bids to get a piece of the playoff pie. But I, I think there's incentive for everyone to compromise and find a way to make it work. If they can explain the playoff perhaps in 2024 and do it two years earlier, even if, even if that means ESPN getting all the extra inventory for those last two years, I think there's incentive on all sides to compromise and make that happen because there's a lot of money to be made. And, you know, I, to me, I think an expanded playoff is good for fans because I think it'll just make the sport that much more interesting. Yeah, Dan. And after we heard Gene Smith say that, you know, he, he, he doesn't, he he does not favor pay for play, you know, in response to kind of um, CJ Stroud's comments about revenue sharing and everything like that. Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren came out and said that he's actually, you know, wants to be proactive in terms of revenue sharing in the future. I don't think it's necessarily something that we see in the very near future, but I personally don't think it seems preposterous that athletes, you know, will eventually get some type of cut of that money, or at least they they should maybe get a, a cut of that money, given the changes to their kind of stipends and things like that, which are all scholarship tied into scholarships and things at the moment. But I think eventually we might see that. Yeah, when we talk about these TV contracts being worth more than a billion dollars per year, it becomes harder and harder to justify college football players themselves not getting a direct piece of that pie. And so I do think at some point there's going to be a change in which you know college football players, college basketball players have a chance to make some of that direct revenue. But I think there's still a lot of hurdles along the way. You know, NCAA rules would still have to change and the fact that it would it would certainly impact the ability of a school like Ohio State to continue offering 36 varsity sports when really 34 of those sports are being subsidized by the money that football makes. And so that's probably the biggest reason why Gene Smith is opposed to that. But we're running out of time here. We got to We got to get ready for a big game next week. And so we appreciate you listening in to everything we had to say this week and hope you tune in again next week because it's going to be all things Ohio State versus Notre Dame as we prepare for a huge season opener between the Buckeyes and the Fighting Irish. So thanks again for listening in and have a great week.